Hello and welcome to Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. And I'm LP. And I'm Will. Today we're going to be speaking with Victor Manibo. He's going to be the first person that we speak to for our Pride edition. We're going to be going for four weeks instead of fortnightly. Um, and we're going to start off talking to Victor about his runaway success is it a runaway success? I think it's a runaway success. Like, I thought it was a slam dunk, The Sleepless, which I literally just finished about 30 minutes ago. Um, but fucking loved. Welcome, Victor. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. And and thank you for such effusive compliments. I'm, I'm really, like, floored. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy you finished it and that you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, hello, everyone. You also announced... Um, your next book today. Yeah, coincidentally, um, today um, was the announcement for my upcoming book in the spring. It's called Escape Velocity. It's also from Erewhon Books, and it's a sci-fi thriller set in space at a high school reunion. So it's kind of like The Sleepless in that it has a, a mystery element and a thriller element, near future, but also deals with some of the capitalism issues and social inequality issues that I touched on in the sleepless. Nice. So we're going to, we're going to mark our calendars for what's the, what's the dude, what's the uh, release date for that? Uh, it's April 23rd, 2024. Okay. So we'll make sure we get you on sometime in April of next year. So we can talk about escape velocity as well. Right. Thank and you. Okay. I would love to be on again. <laughs> You're locked in. <laughs> and just so people are listening, uh, you know, the announcement was today, but, People are hearing this in June, so you know. So now you have time to read the sleepless, and then yeah. you like prepare for Escape Velocity. <laughs> that, that's so, that's kind of my point. Yes, it's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Victor, give us uh, your elevator pitch for the sleepless. Okay, the sleepless is a near future sci-fi mystery thriller set in a futuristic New York. Uh, you know, about twenty years from now. Uh, where uh, part of the world population does not require sleep. Um, they have become sleepless uh, because of a pandemic whose origins and whose you know, general like makeup um, is still largely unknown. The story begins 10 years into the pandemic. And so unlike you know, the situation where we are now in the real world, um, you know, they, they've, they've come out of it and have uh, established a new baseline normal like life. Um, we have a population of people who are sleepless um, due to the pandemic, and we have folks who have not um, been affected by the pandemic. And because we're 10 years from the initial outbreak, the world has changed to accommodate the the, the different class of people basically created by this pandemic. So um, the story begins there and centers on our protagonist. His name is Jamie Vega. He is a journalist who is sleepless and he gets embroiled in a murder mystery of his boss, um, who is basically a, 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 media magnet owns a media conglomerate and 
he wants to investigate what happened. And in, in doing that, he stumbles upon large conspiracies involving sleeplessness in general. Um, and, and that's really what sets um, things in motion when, when his boss dies and he decides, okay, something's fishy about this death. Let's see what's going on here. It's so cool. I can't even tell you. It's so- <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I'm not, I, so cool. Such a cool premise for a book. All right, LP, I, I don't want to tread on our first part of here. So You're just we'll know, talk- a lot of compliments are like <laughs> ready to start tossing out for this yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Well, we gotta get we gotta get our formalities for our show out of the way. So LP, go. formalities for the show. <laughs> sure. I've never done the question part, Marshall. Will you do this? I will do this. Okay, so I'll Victor, do it. I'm you... the one who does it. So okay. I'll do it. All right, <laughs> I'm jumping in. I'm not editing this out either. People can know you just stepped right on me. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I'm the one who usually asks it. I felt like <laughs> so betrayed right, right now. Will is also a Scorpio and has a takeover that took over Scorpio. I'm the Scorpio jumped out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So go like, ahead, you know, okay. Thanks. was off. Came back. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. All right, Victor. So we asked this question of all our guests. And, sure. um, we're just completely uncensored today also, Victor. We're just completely ourselves today. So it's like your family already. Um, I love that. I want you to describe <laughs> writing this book in three words, which can be completely unrelated. Whatever three words come to your mind right away. Sure. Um, rushed is one. Um Eye-opening is another, um, and, and I, I guess like, oh god, I hate to say it's difficult, but but it it really was. So, so so I guess I guess that's it was rushed, it was difficult, but it was really eye-opening. Amazing. So let's talk about the first word. Let's unpack those three words. So talk to us about rushed. It was rushed because it was drafted during NaNoWriMo. Um, with, wow. uh, you know, 30 days, I had to, um, come up with 50,000 words. I mean, 50,000, not so good words and not so good sentences, but, um, yeah, that's, that really contributed to, that's what I think about when I think about drafting this book was that experience. It was the first time that I had ever done it. It's the first time I ever drafted a book. I just thought it would be a nice challenge for myself to, to, to see if I could do it. Um, I've always wanted to write. And I thought, okay, well, let's jump into the deep end and and just do NaNoWriMo with basically no preparation. I just had like an idea and it so occurred to me two days before NaNoWriMo and I'm like, yeah, let's execute this. 30 days, 16,000, uh, 1600 words. How hard could it be? Like what does a banana cost, $10? So it was basically that I was so out of touch with what that process entailed. And it was also November. Uh, There were the holidays, there were family and social obligations. So um, I, I met my goal, but I really had to, to, to rush. Um, So that's why that's the first word that popped into my brain. Now you mentioned also um, difficult so was it difficult? Yeah. I mean, unpack that first, because was it difficult because you felt rushed or does difficult encompass some other aspect of it? The difficult part comes a little bit later. Uh, the the NaNoWriMo experience, even though 
it felt like I was um, running uh, out of time because I was, because there was like a 30 day deadline, which, you know, people can take as seriously as they want to, right? But I wanted to take it seriously. But that's not what made it difficult for me. I think when I, I said that adjective, it really referred to the after the revision process because that I think was emotionally the most taxing for me. Um, it the hard work is always um, going to be there for any endeavor, and I'm used to hard work, but I wasn't really used to. Uh, rejection. I wasn't used to uncertainty, insecurity. I wasn't used to um, a creative field at all. Like my training is in the law and I also went to business school. Those are, you know, some people would say those are fairly regimented fields where expectations are very clear. Your career paths are clear. Um, what you need to do to succeed um, can be fairly predictable or can be fairly mapped out. Um, and when I was um, done drafting and revising the sleepless and deciding to myself, okay, I, I do want this to be out in the world, I had to learn the business of writing and and what a creative career would look like or how to start that out. And I didn't really have a lot of resources in the beginning and I was flailing and and that was really hard for me that that sense of uncertainty and just being lost and 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 to be honest, a sense of like maybe maybe this was a mistake or maybe this book was a waste, and the only person who would ever read it are my family and my friends um but I know I didn't want that, so I kept going um so that's where the difficulty really comes from. You know, it's interesting to hear that, you know, you come from a career that like you do this, you know, like you go to law school, you take the bar and then like, you know, you have this established career path because mine personally, mine's so opposite. Mine's always been creative. So I'm always like, what the hell is going to happen next? So I could imagine when you're used to structure like that, it is um, also there's a lot of uncertainty, which you know, when you were when you were drafting it for Nano Rimo, I can't talk today. Sorry, everyone's like I'm drunk. Um, is it was that equally as scary? Like you're like just going in, or was it more of like because it's Nano Rimo? There's all this energy that you were like, no, I'm going to do this. With Nano Rimo, it was not that difficult. It wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't feel high stakes to me because I was doing it for myself. It was a personal goal. I just wanted to see if I could do it. There were no sticks. If I failed, then okay, I failed. It's fine. I, I, it was something that I wanted to give a shot, um, and it was an idea that I like came up with a few days prior with no preparation. If I failed, like I, I kind of set myself up for failure, um, and. And so the difficulty there was just like meeting the, the word count. Um, emotionally, it was not difficult. If, if uh, failure was something that I expected or was, was going to be comfortable accepting. Um, and then after that, when I really decided, I, I think I want to be a writer. I think I really want to take this seriously. And then I had 
goals and dreams and aspirations and people to look up to and and writers that I want to emulate and careers that I wanted to emulate and 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 those kind of put like more pressure on me um and I wasn't doing it for myself anymore because I was going out there I was um making friends um professional contacts I was sending my manuscript out to agents so I was I was, you know, being vulnerable with this. So when I was with NaNoWriMo, it was, it was just for me. Um, so, so yeah, I think um, that's that's really where the difference was. And what about eye-opening? Eye-opening was uh, because I think throughout writing this book, I realized what I valued, not just in the stories that I like to read, and the stories that I like to write, but what I valued in life. I, I, I noticed that even though I had these ideas of, okay, I should be writing about this topic or these kinds of people or these kinds of, of plots or issues, my, my writing just gravitated towards um, certain things and the same kind of themes and the same kinds of characters. And I couldn't... Uh, kind of avoid it, even though um, a part of me told me I should. For example, with The Sleepless, I was very hesitant to have essentially a cyberpunk book um, with, uh, you know, with a Filipino protagonist who's also queer. And I was thinking, uh, and perhaps unfairly, that oh, no one's going to read this. The people who read sci-fi will not want a main character like this, will not follow a character like this. And so there's, there's that part of it um, that I, I, I was kind of thinking of writing against, but I, I couldn't help it. It's just like, it just goes that way because because that's that's who I am and that's what I want to write. And those are the stories that I want to read. And, and so... It was a journey of discovery, and 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 uh, and I'm discovering as the more that I write that that that's what the endeavor is. I think writers write uh, as a means of self-discovery. That's not the only reason why people write. That's not the only reason I write, but it's definitely um, part of the project. Uh, writing is uh, a means for me to um, examine who I am and how I see the world and how I see my place in it. You know, it's interesting that you said you were unsure if, you know, people would gravitate towards a queer character. Is that because you never saw yourself in science fiction before? Like, what made, what made that thought go through your head? There's definitely that. There was definitely the sense that uh, I don't see a lot of queer characters in science fiction, especially in a movie sense TV and I thought, okay, well, you know, um, I'm going to be frank, uh, Jamie being bisexual, if I wrote this book now, he probably be, would be a lot queerer, a lot more um, adventurous in terms of, you know, the, the very little, like, sex and romance that is in the book. Um, but it, it was... Uh, the Jamie as a character as written is a product of what I was comfortable with in my work. 
um, at the time that I was writing it. Um, and and this is going back to what I was saying about how uh, the more I write, the more I am discovering, you know, this is what I want to lean into. Um, and and so now, especially because I've decided this is a career I want, I've really delved into um, science fiction, fantasy, horror, um, stories, and and books and movies and TV shows that aren't part of the mainstream so much that are probably a uh, little known or probably um, underrated. People might say, and I'm finding, oh yeah, there are a lot of other types of stories that do have BIPOC protagonists, queer protagonists, and like unapologetic about it. And like, it's all on the page. With The Sleepless, I did try to put it all on the page in terms of you get uh, queer relationships, you get a little bit of queer sex, you get queer dating, um, but it's not um, it's not central to the story. Um, I fixed that in the second book. The the second book is very very queer, uh, but uh, but yeah, that was a little meandering. But I, <laughs> I hope I got my point across that like I did discover that um, you know me not seeing representation when I was writing The Sleepless um, was also a product of me not going out there and, and reading more widely and consuming more widely. I, I mean, I also think um, as queer people of like a certain generation, right? Like I feel like Gen Z is going to grow up with really a lot of reading queer uh fiction nick you can ask this question next to okay i didn't forget you um <laughs> i just i just think you said you sometimes can second guess yourself you know what i mean like you know should i do this can i do this it's like you um again just what you were saying it's discovery i feel like being for me personally being around brent and lp and reading their work it makes me want to dig in more to who I am than ever. Like they make me feel more free, you know, and I'm lucky that, you know, I have people like that who make me feel that way. And then reading other writers who are queer makes me feel like I want to lean into more who I am. So I think it's important. Um, Nick, go ahead. Yeah. So I want to ask this with the context that we just recorded another episode earlier this week around this subject you said writers write as a means of self-discovery one may i quote you on that for social media <laughs> absolutely perfect because uh, it's, <laughs> it's a perfect line and i really like it i've always used the term um you have to bleed on the page right you've put it much in a better statement and more eloquent than i could and i love it um but what i want to know like in that line, in that vein of discovery for you, that writes right as a means of self-discovery, where do you draw the line? Where do you like stop yourself from bleeding too much on the page? And how do you know what to put in to your stories? Because I absolutely love this book. I love your characters. Um, it's, it was such a fun read and you, you took me on a journey. I was like, dude, this society's cool, sleepless. All right. And then you're like murder. And I was like, (gasps) Yes. Like the, and and then like, and then another twist, right. You had the queerness come in and I was like, 
this is like the tone and the pace in which you set that up was wonderful. And you're, you're mentioning like, this is kind of you, this is what you were comfortable with at the time. So, you know, question, right. How do you know when to stop putting yourself on the page? I, I think a lot of um, newer writers, and I still consider myself newer writers, and, and especially when I was writing this uh, book, the the problem isn't um, saying too much on the page, but not saying enough on the page. I think there's a lot of fear and uncertainty and insecurity, right? So that wasn't something that I was considering with the sleepless. I wasn't considering that, oh, maybe I'm bleeding too much on the page. Um and, but now, uh, as, as I, you know, um, kind of gone through the process of releasing a book, writing other books and, and, and knowing who I am and, and knowing what I kind of really want to write about more consistently, I, I find that I am talking about, um, a lot of, uh, really deep stuff that, um, Perhaps other people would say, "Oh, okay, that's that's going too far," like you were saying. Um, and and my instinct is to just say, "Yeah, just lean into that." I think going, I, I think like um, editing yourself in terms of of themes and in terms of instincts. Um, I I think that's that's um, counterintuitive to what at least what I view as the writing process to be. Um, I'll give you an example with The Sleepless. As we were going through final edits on this book, I um, had a tragedy in my personal life that involved um, suicide. And, you know, um, this is not too much of a spoiler, but there is a, a suicide kind of plot line in the book. And and it was kind of surreal going through that and also having to write a story that had that and having a character kind of processing that grief while I was processing that grief. And I, at that point, I had a, uh, the option or opportunity to either hold back, pull back, not just because of how I was feeling, but because at that moment, I was aware of how those kinds of portrayals might make other people feel, right? So there was that instinct. But then the other side of me was, I can't help myself. This is where the emotion is taking me. Um, this is where, you know, I think if I stop this, I, I, I won't produce the best work and people will be able to tell. Right. And, um, and, you know, the comfort level in terms of oversharing or over uh, kind of um, having your characters mirror your life or, you know, people around you, the, the lives of people around you. I think the comfort level on that differs for, from person to person. But I think there is a bigger risk of failing to do good art when you're holding back on that bleeding on the page rather than on on bleeding too much i think i would err on the side of yeah put it all out there and and if anything hopefully your agent your beta readers your editors will rein you in not just creatively but also if they're good people who care about you they will also 
sense that you need to be reined in for your emotional or mental health. So follow-up question. This is more of like your writing process, just just the curiosity uh, as we're talking about putting yourself on the page and things like that. What Are you a discovery writer or are you uh, an outliner, right? Where's the intentionality of putting yourself into the page? Where does that come into your process? The intention, I, it differs for every book. With Sleepless, as you know, I basically pantsed that because of NaNoWriMo. But then... I, I knew myself and I knew that I had a more structured, regimented way of thinking. Also, depending on the genre, genre that you're writing, um, that can be required, especially if you're writing, let's say, a really tightly plotted mystery, right? It, it's kind of hard to pants that. And I'm finding that that's what I really like to write. Um, you know, the next book is going to have a mystery um, plot to it and and it, it's hard to pants that and I didn't want to pants that so for the second book I did outline it um, and uh, the books that I wrote after that are also outlined but they're not heavily outlined I do you know uh, maybe there are two or three levels to my outline um, uh, an outline will have like maybe a one sentence or two sentence like bullet point on what the scene is going to be and then and then the rest is kind of I'm discovering the scene um I'm discovering writing the scene um and that's really when the the shit comes out right it's really when oh you know this is where um character a meets character b for coffee and then you know I thought it's just going to be like delivery of information and and then it, it turns out oh these people have issues that I want to talk about and I didn't plan this but this came out as I was like kind of just drafting um I had goals in mind but you know sometimes it, it just comes out that uh this is when they hash out their 20 year old beef that they haven't talked about because they're both so kind of um scared to be vulnerable for example um so 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 it's a little bit of both um i i think i i will always start with an outline just because of the type of genres that i write but then i really like the exhilaration of an outline that is general enough that i can write an entire chapter without it being too on the rails lp back to you i really identify with what you said about um how much to leave on the page. And I think how much blood to leave on the page. Right. Um, because I think in a lot of ways and for a lot of years, science fiction and fantasy have been about um, adhering so sternly to um, the aesthetic um, and even mimetic fiction for its own part, like being so in love with the craft and like what makes a thing clever that folks forgot that they're, are people reading the thing and that they're that, that these people need to identify with a person in the story. Right. Um, clearly not a problem I have with this book, but like, I love the way you kept me from the very beginning. Like the mystery doesn't happen to like the 10% mark. <laughs> like you don't know what's where you are in it until then, but like you built the world so beautifully in like the first 30 minutes of this book. Uh, and mm-hmm. I was I was ready. I was I knew I was in good hands. 
I was ready for whatever came next. And then when it turned out to be a mystery, I was fucking surprised. I was like, look what this bitch did to me. <laughs> <laughs> this rude bitch. Uh, I love that. I love that. Go ahead, Will. Marshall, uh, no, you go, Marshall, and then I'll go. No, no. I just, I just wanted to I, put that up there. I just got hung up on something earlier on that you said, and I just want to kind of go back just a little bit. Um, so the sleepless, I, I want to know how you came up across NaNoWriMo because it doesn't sound like you set out to be a writer. You had a different path going and you're like, okay, I, did you hear about NaNoWriMo? And then just be like, Oh, that'd be cool to do. And then you did it and you came up with this awesomeness that we're talking about. Like, I'm like, your path is like totally, you know, different than, than a lot of us aspiring writers. I just think it's really interesting that, this is what you came up with. And now you're on this other path. So, and you also have been talking about, you've written other books, you have other books coming. So I just think it's, I think it's really interesting. I don't know if I have a question, but really my question is, was NaNoWriMo the inspiration? And were you consuming stories in a different way? And then you're like, oh, that'd be cool to do. And you came across NaNoWriMo. I'm just curious because I'm really jealous, obviously, as you could tell. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not ready to be jealous, but I really did um, read a lot, and I'm a fan of nerdery in general. Um, I, you know, it, I think I've always wanted to write, but I never really saw myself as a writer because, and this is where the agent's going to come out. Um, that's not a viable career path, as my parents have told me and inculcated in me. Um, and, and so um, there were times in undergrad that I, I tried writing short stories. I joined the literary magazine, um, and it was it was a hobby. Um, and then. I've heard of NaNoWriMo before. I tried to do it once. I, I want to say when I was in between jobs, probably in the in 2014, 2013, maybe, um, where, again, I was approaching it as like a, a hobby, not something I would take seriously, not something that other people would get to see. Um, and especially because at the time when I heard about NaNoWriMo, I was already in America. I had moved here in 2007 as an adult and I'm Filipino. I, I just had an idea of what publishing is like or what literature is like or what kind of books get published and what kind of authors are on the shelves. Um, so I never really saw myself as that. Um, and then when 2017 came around and I had this story idea it was really yeah <laughs> the genesis was it was a really long weekend i was super tired i was coming from jersey hanging out with my family the entire weekend because that's how filipinos do you can't just like get rid of your family i guess and <laughs> and i had a long week and i'm like oh god i wish i didn't have to sleep because i have so many things to do to finish and all that and this also like you know again around the holidays i knew that work was probably going to slow down but all the other parts of my life is going to be like picking back up and and gonna be crazy and and so i was like okay well if i didn't need to sleep i can do all of that and i'm like yeah but then like oh, that's that's crazy like do i really want that and then the thought experiment, the what ifs just, just, yeah. just spiraled and spiraled. Right. Um, and I'm like, I need to write this down. And it was really like, uh, uh, kind of curiosity, like, you know, let's follow this thought 
process and not even let's make this into a story. Um, but then the more I wrote it down in my notes app, it was like, oh, this could be a story. Um, and then it was two days, like I said, maybe two, three days before NaNoWriMo. I was like, oh, okay, um, let's make this into a story. Um, uh. and, and, you know, this is also me being a little bit unhinged because I was already complaining that I was too busy <laughs> and I knew I was going to be busy. Let's, let's put a project. A, 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 a project that I thought would be easy, but still a project that I didn't have to do and add that onto my plate. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think that speaks to how captivated I was with the idea and with the concepts that I wanted to kind of interrogate and explore. Um, so uh, yeah, business, um, I didn't let it stop me. I kind of uh, was exhausted a lot. But um, yeah, that's how it happened. Such a fucking New Yorker. (laughs) Listen, listen, did I not mention the Asian part? You know, the the whole whole lawyer thing like that was uh, that's that should tell you the the type A personality. The Asian part I I understood because you're, you're busy lawyering. Three days with your family, not getting away. I that that part made perfect sense. It's the part about hey. I'm not doing enough. <laughs> Let me make a side a, hustle. Add one more I thing am to my plate. I'm a Capricorn, so there's that. Oh, yeah, mm. that makes sense. Right? <laughs> I'm going to read a section of the book, and it's early on. It's on, um, I think it's on page 15. Yeah, it's on 15. Um, and this is from Jamie, and it's early on it. And it goes, at some point in the past year, especially as the weather grew warmer, I felt the need to harness my extra time outdoors. At the turn of the spring, I started running. I used my free up, freed up weekends to learn surfing and to train for dragon boat racing. I already have a blue belt in Taekwondo, and as soon as I find a 24-hour dojo, I'm doing karate next. I practice all types of yoga, from Ashtanga to Vinyasa. I fence, I box, and once in a while, I can I get roped into a late-night game of pickup basketball with other folks in the building. If for no other reason than this, I could never leave New York. So just with you writing that, <laughs> as soon as I read that, I was like, I'm so into this book already because I am yeah. never leaving this city. <laughs> and I do sleep. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I wanted to write about New York half because they keep telling you to write what you know. And it was easy, especially if you're um, panting something to just pull from what's around you. Uh, but also, I really love this city. I have been here um, 15, 16 years. Most of my friends have come and gone um, be- because that's just how life is. Uh, but I don't. I never see myself leaving New York. I, I love it. it. It has its its very, very serious problems. Um, but it's, it's such a beautiful, magical place. Um, mm-hmm. I... I, I am writing about other places though, so <laughs> there is that. I know that the Angelino in LP is is protesting. Yeah, it's okay. Let him protest, Victor. Okay, because <laughs> so, New York City is the best. <laughs> I, was, I was at a party in New York over uh, close to the holiday a holiday party in December, and like I was talking to someone about like. Just the, just like, cause he was doing a lot and like his, his partner, she was just like, I get it. I get it. You love Los Angeles. So I was like, 
oh, you think that I think that Los Angeles is amazing. I don't. What I'm saying is <laughs> balancing is is important, right? Like, great. New Yorkers do feel like New York is the center of the universe. I don't think Angelinos think that, but that's a, that's a conversation for another episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could dive into the subject of how great New York is, like, on four episodes, but we won't today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forever. <laughs> Like I said, it it's got it's it's very real and very serious problems. It's perfect to me. I, I love it. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the center of the universe by any means, but I do know those people, and I'm like, <laughs> you're embarrassing. This is why everybody else hates us. This is why everybody else feels comfortable saying things about New York and New Yorkers because oh, of awesome. you that kind of view. But you know, it is what it is. I'm fine with it. Every I'm saying it's the center of the universe. I, I t- you know, whatever. You know, it's such a great thing that we're interviewing you. Moving on, hey Victor. Yeah, let's talk about. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Some of us don't live in New York, people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know, I know. Not everyone can handle it. I get it. Um, it was fun. I love visiting. Wow, that was fun. That felt directed at me, but that's okay. Continue. It wasn't. Relax, everyone. I'm fucking with you. New York. Anyway, so Victor, okay, we talked about like some of the genesis for the story. We've talked mm-hmm. about um, you just getting wild hair in your ass and deciding to write a book. <laughs> Congratulations, that's great. Um, go ahead. Do you have a question? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do. Um, Always. Thank God. Of course. Yeah, I, of course. I got questions for days. Um, so, Victor, when you were writing it, because it it does have this noir type of mystery. Um, type of beats what was that coming instinctively because you've internalized like a lot of mystery or is it something that you like after reviewing it be like okay i need to, i need to create more of a mystery I, I think it's a little bit of both i i'm a huge mystery reader uh, mystery and thrillers I, I love that genre i think um yeah what the first stories that i really um kind of imprinted on are Sherlock Holmes stories. First novels that I really liked were Agatha Christie novels. Um, and I was reading them at an age when I should probably not be reading them. But <laughs> that, those were the books that were around in my house that I grew up in. Um, so what made me fall in love with stories are mystery stories. It's a puzzle. And as you're probably um, Seeing now, I, I kind of have a, like a little bit of a logical brain, uh, or that's how uh, my brain works. So that's why I enjoy these stories. When I was coming up with The Sleepless, it was, like I was mentioning, it was not a uh, mystery at all. It was a, a thought experiment about how a human body can change and how a fundamental change in one person or in a group of people can then change uh, how the world works, and and that's science fiction. That, that's something that I also really enjoyed reading um, and watching growing up. Um, but when I was conceptualizing the sleepless, I was like, okay, well, there's this cool thought experiment, what if world, but that's not a story. That's not enough for a story to me. I needed a, a character, uh, and he needed to do something, um, and. The, the first thing that I thought was like, okay, he solves a murder and he has all this free time so he can solve a murder. He, that's that's going to be his new hobby, basically. Um, 
so so that's that's how it happened it was my love of of this genre um kind of gave me an idea of what the plot could be that happens in this world to this character you know it's interesting that you brought up agatha christie because when she was writing mysteries she never knew who did the who did the killing she Mm -hmm. actually gave everyone all these motivations and then whatever came out came out and i found that fascinating so obviously you wrote this for and you know you told us that you kind of just pantsed it now for your book that's coming out was it much more of a methodical type of thought process and about like crafting if it is a mystery like you know if, if it has those mystery beats or are you again kind of going like into it like i'm not really sure what happens at the end or like tell me about that process so with the second book it does have a mystery element to it um there is there is a a murder that happens in the past timeline and another that happens in the present timeline so i was like you know what let's up the degree of difficulty here and have two mysteries in the second book um, I don't know why I did that. I think like just with NaNoWriMo, it's also like me trying to challenge myself and set a goal for myself and see if I can do it. Um, and so there are two mysteries, two timelines. And with that, I knew I couldn't pants it. I knew at that point that my instinct was not to pants a mystery at all, let alone two kind of subplots that have murder mystery elements. So it was definitely more methodical. Um, the the I think the improvisation and the discovery writing, much of it came out in the characterizations and people's hang-ups and baggage and insecurities and their predilections and um, how they embody and how they... Um, kind of perform their queerness um, and their sexuality and their desires. Um, it's a, I, I want to say it's not really good marketing copy, but I, I feel like it's a very sexy book and I didn't mean for it to be sexy, but that the sexy just came out. <laughs> um, and, and that's, that's uh, not in the method. That's not in the outline. That was more just like, Oh, wow, okay, um, Victor really wanted, wants to get horny in this book. Okay, I guess we're going horny this time. Great. <laughs> horny queerness. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, Erewhon books that you signed with. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I feel like they're one of the publishers that are really like coming out with like amazing work um, and doing so many good things and they have this, they used to, I don't know if they've done it since the pandemic, but they used to have these little salon sessions where you could go and discuss books and have guests and everything. Um, what has it been like, like to work, you know, with your publisher and your editor and, you know, how's your experience been? Everyone's been great. I have very few complaints because it's publishing. It's, you know, it's not perfect. We are in an industry that has a lot of flaws, but I am floored by the talent and by the support that they've given me. My editor, Sara Guan, is amazing. She really knows what I'm trying to do sometimes, even though like I'm unsure of 
what I'm trying to say, she's always able to pinpoint, like, I think this is what you're trying to do here. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Um, and the moments that I say that are, are so often, um, and and it's just a testament to how um, her instincts are so sharp and she really knows how to bring the best out of me as a writer and, and other writers too that um, have worked with her at Erewhon say the same thing. Um, the publicity team, I mean, it's a one-man team. Marty Cahill um, has done so many good things for this book, getting the word out, getting people to read it, um, getting people excited. Uh, even, again, um, it's been a few months since the book has been released, but uh, there are still opportunities for me to talk about the book and and talk to people and and he's the one who kind of gets that going um it's uh it's an indie publisher it's a small publisher but it has good taste the books that they come out with are always so insightful and uh a lot of the time very queer and most of the time uh, coming from underrepresented perspectives, from BIPOC people, from Black people. Um, and I, I think they're doing amazing work. I, obviously, I, I'm very biased, but um, I, I'm just so grateful to be there. Uh, I'm happy to be working with them for my next book. Go ahead, Marshall. Yeah, so I was wondering, so we're running, we're going to run up against our last couple questions here pretty quick. Um, but we've done a pretty good job, I think, in this episode of avoiding avoiding major spoilers. And I highly suggest everybody go out and, and, and read this book. But what do you want, since this is, um, and we've talked about how this book came to be, what do you want people to take away from this? And what should they expect from the rest of the series? Like, what are you excited about? Is it the same protagonist? Do you, you know, what what are your... I don't know. What are your goals and aspirations for the rest of the series? Uh, well, it's not going to be a series. The next if it's book a series, is a standalone. Sorry. Okay, gotcha. Right. Yeah, the, the next book is a standalone, but I want readers to take away from the book the notion that how we value ourselves and our time um, might seem like something that we've figured out that you know, that, you know, like, oh, I do this because I want to do this. But really, that's not the case. There are a lot of demands that are pulling on us subconsciously, unconsciously, and consciously. And um, I hope that by reading the book, people can examine those pulls and those demands, whether they come from family or the um romantic relationships that we have or you know capitalism or the need to pay bills um i think uh, a kind of examination of one's relationship with time and how also that impacts one's idea of productivity and self-worth um it is something that i want um readers to um kind of pick up from the book uh, jamie our protagonist does a lot of hobbies for fun and there is kind of um a sense that especially in the culture that we have when you have hobbies it's not really you're not 
optimizing it if you're not making money off of it or if you're not getting some sort of i don't know fame or if you can't parlay it into success in another way and i feel like that really devalues the idea of hobbies and doing things for yourself and for fun and i know it's kind of counterintuitive because i started out doing this as a hobby and now it's a career (laughs) but um that is something that I too need to remind myself of. And I hope that this book kind of encourages that conversations and the people who read it. Ah, I love that. Uh, yeah. Some of us have a lot of hobbies and, and, you know, it doesn't, you know, sometimes you can just do stuff for you and other times it's like, I don't know, can I do something with this? And I just, I love, I love that message. I think that's awesome. Yeah, um, it's okay. If it's just for you, that's yeah. great. <laughs> Some of us have been podcasting for a long time and it's just because it's, we love it and it's fun. Yeah. You know, I love it. Um, so we're going to get into our last, does anybody else have any other questions before I get to the last one or two? I don't know if I can ask the last one. Should I ask? Can I do the I last mean, one? Would you like to um, ask it? You may. I'll allow it. I'm kidding. You can. Totally. You suck. <laughs> okay. I know. I'm such a bitch. Right. Okay. I'm like a bitch. That's fine. All right. So I I actually have two questions. The first one is a logistical one. Um, You know, some people may not know your work. Where can people find you on social medias? Where should they buy your book? Um, Any way that people can reach out to you or just follow you and see what you're up to next? Let us know. I'll put it in the show notes. um, Against my better judgment, I'm still on Twitter at Victor Manibo. That's just my name. And um, I'm also at Victor Manibo on all other platforms, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I'm on Substack also. Um, Please subscribe. Although lately I haven't been putting out newsletters because I'm on deadline. I also have a website, victormanibo.com. So if you just use my name and put an at sign before it, you'll probably find me. Also on Mastodon, but that's still kind of like iffy. I still don't quite know how to navigate that one. Perfect. Um, so since I got the guys, okay, I'm going to ask you the last question that we always ask our, um, Mm -hmm. our guests. Uh, what keeps you writing? Oh, wow. Okay. I think it's this need that I, it's almost like, I feel pain if I don't. Um, It's not healthy. Uh, I I guess like when I say it that way, uh, but it just feels like a pit in my stomach, a pull in my chest. If I'm like, I have a story and it just needs to be written. And if I don't, if I can't, most of the time I can't because of demands of work and everything else. Um, And it hurts. It like mentally and physically hurts. That keeps me writing. That's not the healthiest answer, but that's the first answer that comes to mind. And I think that's the realest. Like we were saying earlier, the instinct to to filter sometimes is 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 more harmful. So yeah. We'll take it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you coming by. And we gotta have you on again for the next one for sure. Thank you so so much. This was so much fun. Y'all were not (laughs) Holding back. I love it. No, no, we never do. We try not to. <laughs> <laughs> so 
it's not really our thing. That's awesome. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. I would love to be back and hang out with you again. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.